Welcome to Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Pembroke campus. Okay, good morning, everyone. I, um, this morning is a little different in the way that we are not in a series as Grace Capital Church. This morning is different in the way that there's no video intro for a message. Anchored finished up last week. Uh, Pastor Mark was here. I had the opportunity to be up in Laconia. Uh, I, I will say, um, there's a song that we sing, you know, no place I'd rather be than here in your love, you know, talking to Jesus, but um, talking to you guys for a minute, there's no place I'd rather be than here. Um, I, I love... I love this campus, I love you guys, uh, and I love being here with you. Uh, so this morning, we've, we've kind of dubbed this the campus freestyle. The campus freestyle in the way that each campus pastor gets to be able to speak and, and, and say a word specifically to their campus based upon what God has put upon each of our hearts. And this morning, I've got a word, and it, it kind of almost flows with the whole Anchored series, but I, I, I want to I share with you a few different scriptures and I, I want to share with you a truth, a, a truth from God's Word about how we live our lives and how we truly uh, maintain our focus and put our eyes upon God through everything and within everything. Uh, if you have your Bibles, this morning is going to be a great opportunity for you to open them up. And I want to encourage you, starting right in the book of Luke, chapter 4. I love this portion of Scripture. This was one of my favorite portions of Scripture to read um, for a long time because it's just, it shows Jesus kind of coming out um, publicly about who he is, and it, it showed the reaction that people had, kind of the, the um, at, at times, the violent reaction towards Jesus. It, it was Jesus being bold. It was Jesus kind of just saying, here I am, rock me like a hurricane, and... <laughs> Jesus um, walks into the temple, as was the custom. He visited the temple and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. This is Luke chapter 4, beginning with verse 17. If you've got your Bibles, they won't be up on screen, so I encourage you. Hey, electronic permission today. Um, Not that you need my permission any day, because most of you are kind of probably, I don't know, updating your status or something while you're here. But... Uh, Luke chapter 4, if you've got a Bible app on one of those electronic things in your hand, go ahead and turn to it. Luke chapter 4, beginning with verse 17. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, was given to Jesus. Jesus walked into the synagogue and said, you know, hey, can I share something? And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, beginning with verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, and set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It's good stuff. That's awesome. Like, anyone reading that, like, as you're reading it, it's like, yeah, woo. I, I can get pumped up. Now, imagine being in the synagogue when Jesus, not knowing maybe who Jesus was at the time, reading this, 
Reading this out loud, I, I love within Scripture the red letters. This was not, these were the words of the prophet Isaiah, but they were prophetic for the man, Jesus. And Jesus, in the red letters, reading them out, speaking them out, proclaiming them. This is, well, we'll continue. And he rolled the scroll up and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. You know how, like, if, if someone comes up and just opens up the scripture and reads something, and then, like, eh, I'm just going to sit down now. Like, I've got nothing more to say. And people are like, but there's got to be something more. You've got to be saying something. There's, there's got, what's the point of reading what you just read? And all of the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them this. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty. That's freedom. Liberty to the, to the captives. And recovery of sight to the blind. You can't see? Mud. Now you can. Set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He speaks this out and he says, Today, today it's done. Today you've seen this fulfilled. And all who spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth and they said is this not Joseph's son you know when you do something really good and then you know say something proclaim something and then all of a sudden someone in the crowd is going to like point out wait a minute isn't that wasn't that little Billy from down the road? Didn't he always used to like, get in fights with the, all the kids in the neighborhood? What? Isn't this Joseph's son? Isn't he just a carpenter's kid? Kind of point out, like, you're trying to step into what you know you're called to step into. And yet someone's got to, like, yeah, I know you. You used to be all kinds of trouble. He goes on and speaks some other things. Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you do at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. Truly, I say to you, no prophet. He's talking to these people, the people who all of a sudden start kind of pointing back like, wait a minute, that's just Joseph's son. That's just the carpenter's kid. He's, yeah, proclaim freedom, liberty for those who are captive. What are you going to do? Take your hammer and like pull some nails out of the wall? Let people out? Like, what, what are you going to do, carpenter's son? And Jesus talks about, you know, like, hey, even, even in their hometown, a prophet is not welcome. And, and Jesus kind of speaks to them in such a way, it's a rebuke. I, I'd love to read through it all, but I don't want to read through it all because there's more to read through. But in this, he's rebuking the people in the town like, man, your faith is garbage. And because of that, there's, there's things I can't do right now, not here. And he talks and he carries on. And as he carries on, he's getting, he's getting offensive in his rebuke. Down to verse 28. When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. Like they went from, wow, and speaking well of him, to all of a sudden filled with wrath. Filled with wrath to the point where they rose up to drove him, to, and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow. That's like the, the top part 
Like think your head, your eyebrows, maybe not the, maybe not the top, but brought him to the brow of the cliff, the hill on which the town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. I've been in Israel and I've been to this place overlooking this area, this, like a high precipice, this mountaintop area and with a cliff that just drops down. And all the people in the synagogue grabbed him and they're dragging him up, ready to throw him off the cliff. I love, read the, the next portion of this. But passing through their midst, he went away. <laughs> That's so Jesus. And passing through their midst, he went away. Like they, they've dragged him up to throw him off the cliff. And hey, see you guys. Uh, <laughs> Come back here. That's, that's Jesus. So, we have this portion of Scripture, and Jesus proclaims what he's going to do. I am going, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, rescue, or recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Oppressed, what does it mean to be oppressed? Maybe, maybe you're sick. There's an affliction. You're, you're burdened by something a sickness, you're not well. Set at liberty those who are oppressed. Speak healing, bring life. There was one guy who was oppressed. You remember him, his name was Lazarus? He was dead. And he brought him back to life. To the point where like his sisters, Lazarus' sisters were like, dude, you can't go in there. He's been dead, it's four days. He stinks. And Jesus went in and, like, get up, and brought him back to life. Lazarus was oppressed, but he was set at liberty to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Okay, now let's fast forward a little bit. Up into Luke chapter 7. Now in Luke chapter 7, we find John the Baptist has been imprisoned. John the Baptist, the one, the cousin of Jesus, the one who went before Jesus, the one who was there to proclaim Jesus' coming, to make straight the path of the Lord. John the Baptist, who preached a baptism of repentance. John the Baptist, who was a little wild. Maybe you've read a description of him. You can read a description of him in, in, in the book of Mark. Talks about how he wore camel's fur. Anyone ever ridden a camel? I have. It is, yeah, Deb was there too. Um, Deborah, sorry. Camels aren't like the most comfortable animals. Their fur isn't like, it's, it's not like, you know, the, the nice Scottish wool sweater, um, cashmere. Yeah, it's not, not a very soft. Uh, and so he's wearing like this camel fur, you know, vest, you know, rugged man, outdoors man. You'd probably see him on like, uh, I don't know, life above the whatever the show in Alaska. Um, just a man's man, eating locusts, like a little hungry, yeah, grasshopper, hung. <laughs> honey. It, John's kind of a wild man, and he's doing his thing out there, and he's in the wilderness, and he's proclaiming to everyone, repent, repent. Do you know what repent means? Turn around. If you're walking in sin, turn around. Don't go there anymore. Live a life of righteousness. So repent. He's proclaiming this. Repent and be baptized. And have your life changed. 
transformed, turned around, renewed in God. Live a righteous life. He's not afraid to say it like it is. To the point where at different portions in Scripture, the Pharisees and Sadducees, like, who's this John the Baptist guy? I mean, we know he baptizes, because otherwise they wouldn't call him John the Baptist. But who is, what's he doing? And the Pharisees and the Sadducees went out to see what John was doing out there on the Jordan River. And they're out there, and they're checking him out. And what is it that, what is it that, uh, what is it that he says? You whitewashed tombs. Anyone ever, like, you want to put the smack down on someone? Man, you whitewashed tomb. <laughs> Maybe you're not feeling that like I am. What's, what's a tomb? A place where you bury dead people. A place full of, like, bones. A, pl- a place full of death, right? And what do you do? Like, what's whitewash? You remember Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn? Paint's fun. Yeah. Whitewash. You paint it. You make it look pretty. You make something full of death look pretty. You are like whitewashed tombs. He's calling them out like, yeah, you look great on the outside. You put on this great appearance, but there's nothing living in you. There's nothing of life within you. He calls them out in front of everyone else. Calls them out. So this is John the Baptist. John the Baptist, at times, um, he's, like, he's like Peter, kind of the, you know, the foot-shaped mouth, um, says some things. Well, these things get him in trouble. Another time, John is, um, John is having a conversation regarding um, Herod and Herod's sons. Now, Herod is the ruler Herod is the leader of the country. And he's, John is having some conversations maybe about his family. See, Herod had a couple sons. And it's interesting because they were also called Herod and Herod. Um, but King Herod heard of John the Baptist. He heard about Jesus' name and had, had become known. You know, John the Baptist had, has, has uh, been doing all this stuff. But John the Baptist hears about Herod's son, who has a, a wife named Herodias. This weird family thing. Like, my brother Daryl, my other brother Daryl. Uh, anyway, Herodias, the wife of his son, well, his other son comes into the picture and sees Herodias and says, I want her. And so now, the son of the brother, well, the, yeah, the... the the two brothers are kind of in this arguing match, but this other brother takes the wife for himself. Now, John the Baptist, again, calling things the way they are, called things the way they are. Imagine the son of the king, that'd be a prince, being called out by some wacko out in the woods, baptizing people in between locust meals. John the Baptist calls him out and says flat out, this isn't right. It's not right that you should marry your brother's wife. Truth. For anyone here struggling or wrestling with that right now, it is not right that you should marry your brother's wife. Don't do it. Don't go there. There you go. There's your takeaway for the day. So John 
has made some, um, some not-so-good friendships right now. Um, John has some people in power who have decided that we're going we're gonna to deal with this. And they, they take him captive. They, they put him in prison. Now, John has disciples, and John's disciples are sent by John. John's in prison right now, and he's wondering to himself, okay, I know I've been you know, proclaiming the way, and I know I, I've made these statements like, I'm not worthy to even untie his sandals. Like, I, I'm not worthy. Like, that is Jesus, and he is from God. He is the son of God. Like he, he was proclaiming all these things. But you know when you're in jail and you start kind of doubting things like, did I really hear? Was that really true? John's in a place where he's maybe got a little doubt. And John sends some of his disciples, some of his followers. He sends them to Jesus. And in Luke chapter 7, John's messengers, John's, John's friends, John's disciples go to Jesus And they ask him, uh, John the Baptist has sent us to you. This is John 7, uh, beginning with verse 20. And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another one? I'm going to just ask you to mute me again. In that hour... He healed many people. So they've, they've, John has sent these guys to him and asked Jesus, are, are you the one or is there someone else to come? Like, are you the one that we should be, are, maybe we need to look around for another Savior, Messiah, God's Son. Verse 21, in that hour, he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. Let let me read that to you again, just so you can kind of hopefully grab the gravity of that statement. In that hour, he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. You ever feel like you have a productive hour at work? Any of you feel like, man, I just killed it. That, that, that was a great hour. Productivity levels through the roof. In that hour, he <laughs> healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. You really think you had a productive hour? <laughs> and then he answered them. And then he answered them. Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. Now listen to this. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Sends a message back to John. Go and tell them. Go and tell John what you've seen and heard. Go and tell him the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. Kind of, you know, those oppressed people find liberty. The dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Did he leave anything out? Let's, let's go back. 
Okay, that's Luke 7. Let's go back to Luke chapter 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. People, let me read again. Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. What did Jesus leave out in his message back to John? Okay, maybe something else. Okay, I'm, I'll, I'll spell it out for you. I, I thought it was a little bit more obvious. Uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 18. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that in a way that like, people would receive that. Like, you guys are a bunch of dummies. Um, no, you're not. You're all special. No. Luke chapter 18. You all get a trophy before you leave. Luke chapter 4, verses 18. And I'm just going to highlight one specific sentence. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. Does he say that to John's guys? Go and tell what you've seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up. All that, you know, the the oppressed set at liberty those who are oppressed. The poor have good news preached to them. Yep, he said that. He was going to do that. And blessed is the one who's not offended by me. Does he tell John that he's going to set a captive free? No. But how does he end it? And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Imagine John hearing the words of Jesus, knowing full well that he had read from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And now the message is coming back to him. And he leaves out the portion that says the captive will be free. But then he finishes by saying, and blessed is the one, blessed is the man, blessed is the one who was not offended by me. John, I know you really, really, really would like to get out of jail, but it's not going to happen. No offense. That's my paraphrase. What do you do? What do you do when your heart is crying out for something very specific? There's a need that you personally have or there's a need for your family and you're crying out to God. I'm told that, you know, everything should be brought to God in prayer. Everything should be brought to God in prayer. And what is prayer? It's a conversation with God. It's, it's you dialoguing with the creator of the world, the maker of heaven and earth, the master of the universe to like, give him a little bit more credit than he-man. It's a prayer. It's a conversation. It's a discussion with God where you're letting him know all the stuff that's on your heart, the things that you need, the deepest desires, these prayers. God, you've got to help me here. What do you do when God answers back? No. 
What do you do when God answers back no? When he replies back to you in such a way that you know that your prayer isn't going to be answered. How do you deal with that? How do you overcome the, the feelings that you have? Wrestle with that. Because I'm sure each of you at some point have prayed a prayer and the answer you wanted didn't come. What do you do? It's interesting. When we go back um, and just find out what happened to John. So... Herod's having a birthday party. He's having a party. And, I don't know, the tradition of the kings, when they have birthdays, people are asked, you know, able to, you know, he, he says to um, Herodias, the wife of his son, son, ask anything and I'll give it to you. Now, Herodias has this little bit of an issue going on. Actually, it wasn't Herodias. It was, I think, the daughter. Um, But an opportunity came. This is in Mark chapter 6, verse 21. But an opportunity came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his nobles and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. For when Herodias' daughter came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, ask me for whatever you wish and I will give it to you. And he vowed to her, whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half of my kingdom. And she went out and said to her mother, for what should I ask? And she said, this is Herodias. Remember, this is the woman that was called out by John the Baptist. Like, hey, you really shouldn't have left one guy, one brother, to marry another brother. I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on the platter. So she went in and she said that. Okay, king, you said you'll give me whatever I want. I want the head of John the Baptist on a platter. Just a sidebar there. Anyone really, like, be disgruntled by someone? You know, maybe they cut you off in traffic. Like, when has that ever been someone's wish? Man, that guy that just ran me off the road. Bring me his head. (laughs) Like, some messed up people. Maybe not just back then, but the world we live in today. It's just a sidebar. So John loses his head. John dies. John's desire was what? Freedom from jail. Sent his friends to go, like, go talk to Jesus, put a word in for me, and like, get get me out of here. Jesus sends back word to him that, like, no, this not going to happen. You've done what you were called to do, John. Your mission is accomplished. 
You've made the way for me. And here I go. What do you do when your prayer is answered with a no? How do you deal with the disappointment? How do you deal with the heartache? How do you deal... How do you deal? This one's a tough one to wrestle with. I've wrestled with it for years. Me personally, having walked away from my faith in God when I was in college because a friend of mine passed away. Hodgkin's disease. He died, and when he died, I didn't want anything to do with God anymore. How do you handle disappointment when it comes at the hand of God? See, I think this is important for us because each of you, at some point in life, are going to face disappointment. Each of you, at some point in life, if you have not already, are going to deal with some things that are very hard to deal with. The end of the building down here. The Andrew Allard Memorial Youth Center. Thirteen-year-old boy who woke up one morning with a headache. had the headache all day long and when he went to bed that night he never woke up meningitis and he passed away many of us crying out and praying that God would heal him that he would raise him up out of that hospital bed how do you deal Each of you at some point are going to face disappointments. My question to you, will God still be God to you? Will God still be God to you if he doesn't do what you ask him to? Will God still be God to you even if he doesn't do what you ask him to? Because there will be times where he won't do what you ask him to. I want to show you some pictures. The first one is a picture of my friend Tim and his, some of his kids. They've got, I think, how many kids now? Eight or seven? I don't know, he and Melanie. Um, Tim's the bigger one in the back. Um, he and Melanie, I think, just, well, they love each other a lot. And they, want to, they took God's uh, call to populate the earth very seriously. Um, right there... In the middle is Audra. Audra's 10 years old. She's got a terribly aggressive form of cancer that is just ravaging her body. The whole family in solidarity shaving their heads, except for Melanie, which I think, I don't blame her, but shaving their heads and saying, Audra, we're, we're in this with you. People all around the world praying for Tim and Melanie and 
their daughter, Audra, who also has um, cancer patient Barbie. Um, uh, if you can go to the next picture. A little while ago, they had to um, perform this deal with radiation and um, had to block off the room that she was in. The, the thing uh, that Tim says, this is on June 16th, no one's allowed in but Melanie and I and the occasional hospital staff because the treatment that they're giving her, the radiation, is so intense that it would put others at risk. Mom and dad, you love your daughter, and so, like, you know, there's no risk. You're going to be in there with your daughter. So she's being treated. Next picture. This is Tim. They've got a video camera set up, and he's in another room outside. And his daughter, Audra, sitting there in the bed on the TV camera, or on the, on the TV picture there. And, and Tim writes this. This, people, when you're going through hard times, this is, this is the faith you need to have, but even more that, this is how you need to come at hard times and situations. Tim writes this. I put a spider in her room before they radiated her. <laughs> I'm hoping it bites me the next time I go in. Spider-Man. Anyone? Wait, there's more. Additionally, I keep picking fights with Melanie so that she can make me angry. <laughs> Hulk, come on. <laughs> when hard times come, and they will, you've got to be sure that deep within your heart, deep within your heart, you've settled it, that no matter what, my God is God. And no matter what, no matter how he answers my prayer or my request, it will not change my perspective on who God is and how much he loves me. Can you get that settled in you? Because you have to. I'll tell you, the world will wreck you if you don't have settled within your heart the deep conviction that God is God no matter what. Audra's still fighting. She's still fighting and we're still praying. Praying that she would be healed. Praying that she would rise up. Praying that she would live a long, healthy life. I have another friend. These are, these are friends from college, um, but this friend I grew up with. Shelly. Last fall, they got, um, well, they recommitted their vows. Shelly and Stephen. They've got three beautiful kids, two sons and a daughter. Two years ago, Shelly was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Pancreatic cancer, very aggressive. Shelly is a fighter. Shelly is an un unbelievable woman. Unbelievable woman with incredible faith. And day after day, her posts on Facebook might have been a bald head, might have been a purple wig, or I don't know, she had probably 50 wigs over the time, just posting different pictures of herself with these different wigs and always with this just incredibly beautiful and genuine smile. She goes by Michelle now because she's way more mature than she was when we were kids, but she's still Shelly to me.
On March 18th, Shelley passed away. She lost her battle with pancreatic cancer, but she won forever living with her Savior. Eternal life. She never once lost her faith. Never once let this get her down. Even on the nights when she would come home to find her daughter crying in her bed, wrestling with what does, what does terminal mean? Never once lost her faith. Will God still be God to you even when he doesn't do what you want him to? You need to get settled within your heart that no matter what, no matter what, he is still for you and he is still with you. I say this and hear my heart. I say this and I know this isn't a a feel-good message. Great, we just saw a kid struggling with cancer and another woman that just died. go barbecue. I say this today because each of you, I know, each of you are going to walk through different hardships. Each of you are going to walk through hard times. Each of you are going to deal with incredibly difficult things in your life. And as your pastor, I care enough to say something as difficult as this so that you will have it settled within your heart before you leave this room this morning, that you will have it settled within your heart that regardless of the outcome of the things I'm praying for, God is still my God. Even if he doesn't do what I want him to. Because there will be times where he won't. I know for us that, no, I don't want to hear that. Someone promised me that when I said yes to Jesus, everything was going to be yes and amen. I was just going to get to, you know, skip through the daisies the rest of my life. Everything was going to be good. Things won't always be good. But God always will be. And his love for you will go on and on and on. Some of you, maybe before you leave today, you need to have a wrestling match with God. Or a wrestling match maybe with your own heart. And settle it. Get it stuck deep down within you that no matter what, you know that God is for you. And you know that he is with you the promises that he makes, that he will never leave you or forsake you. You know, I think the Romans 8.28, where, you know, we're promised that God works for the good of those who love him. Every situation. And I think to myself, well, you know, Andrew Allard is my friend. 
I think of the countless people who are now following Jesus. This room was packed bumper to bumper, plus people out in the lobby and just couldn't even fit in this room at Andrew's celebration of life. Many of them had never stepped foot into a church and many of them today can't get enough of God. He works all things for the good of those who love him. And even in the hard times, even in the, what we say would be failures, where things don't work out, he works it out. And his love for you will never end. Father, this morning I pray for each person that's here. Lord, for, for anyone struggling with doubt, with anyone struggling with, with um, God, with, with fear and anxiety and, and concerns about different prayers that they've called out, cried out, God, feeling like, is, is there an answer? For those even today, God, who would find themselves in a place where I found myself over 20 years ago, not even wanting to, to have anything to do with you, losing faith altogether because there was not the answer that they desired. God, I pray that today there would be a healing. A healing that would take place in each of our hearts, each of our minds. And that one thing would remain true and that that is you love us unbelievably. And your love will sustain us. Your love will carry us. Your love will see us through even the disappointing times. God, I pray for each person here that deep within them they would have it settled so that when the hard times come, when the difficulties rise up, when the answer to a prayer turns out no, Lord, that wouldn't shake their faith in you. That wouldn't shake the relationship that they have with you. That would not stop an ever-increasing, life-giving relationship with you. I pray that in Jesus' name. I pray that in Jesus' name. God, trusting and knowing that you will work within each of our lives. And even when the response comes back, not the way we want it. We know that your love is true and it's good and it's for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church Podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com.